About 20 minutes ago, uh, we were with our kids and getting ready to start church. And in this season, things look a little bit different for church as they have looked for a while now, besides those times that we gather on first Sunday. And, you know, so for our kids, they're kind of doing their thing and they're running around. They're, they're, their Sunday morning just looks a little bit different than it typically would have. And it definitely looks different than it did for me growing up as the son of a pastor. And we would get in trouble. We would do crazy things on Sunday mornings, but not too much trouble. Like we didn't, you know, jump. We didn't use the baptistry as a pool or anything. Not that I can remember. It's not like we took choir robes and candles and acted like little Jedis or anything like that. We were typically pretty well-behaved kids. Except one time I remember I probably made it a little bit awkward for my parents. I think I was about five years old and we came home and they found in my pockets all this money, you know, change and dollars. And I mean, I was just, just pocket stuffed with money. And they couldn't, rem- they couldn't figure out, you know, where did I get this money? Had, had, I, had I swiped it from some old lady's purse when she wasn't looking? Had I, you know, grabbed it from the offering plate? Like, you know, all these, all these thoughts are probably going through their minds. Like, what in the world? Like, what did he do? Like, I, you know, if it was my kids, I'd be going, uh, this is not good. We're in big trouble here. Like, how, wh- what happened? And I'd be thinking about how to fix it and how to, you know, correct the situation or whatever. And my parents began to ask me, you know, where did I get this money, you know, whatever. And I don't remember all the details. I was pretty small. But what I, you know, came to find out, what I guess I was doing, and I sort of have a memory of this, of the ingenuity of the moment, I was selling tickets to heaven in the church lobby that morning. And, you know, people kind of think to me, they come to me, and they, you know, I tell them this story, they say, wow, you were really, you know, thinking about following in your father's footsteps, weren't you? You know, and, and here's the thing about that. Some people would think that, hey, that seems about right. The image that we have of pastors seems to be, or the image that we have of God seems to be, this idea of God as some cosmic conductor, you know, ready to either bring us in on the train, check our tickets, or throw us off the train. And so for me as a little kid to be selling tickets to heaven, it was sort of funny at the time, but it does lean into this weird idea that we have about God and that we have about faith. Some of us have either been taught or we develop this understanding that God was just looking at us, desiring to either say, hey, you've got everything you need, you've got the right ticket, you've got the right credentials, you can come on board, or God is looking to shut us out, or maybe even kick us off the train. And then as we think about God as some kind of cosmic conductor, we begin to think about the destinations that he is taking us to or sending us to. And so then we begin to take that idea and we wrap it in with these ideas of heaven and hell. And so then what began as a joke, this idea of God as a cosmic conductor on this train to heaven, becomes this horrific idea that God then desires to send us to hell if we don't have the right ticket. But that day that I talked to my dad, I learned that you can't buy or sell your way into heaven. You can't buy or sell tickets that get you there. And at the same time, God isn't some cosmic conductor that just sits around waiting to send you to hell. For some of us, that's all we needed to hear today. But there's more to that story. 
And there's even a more beautiful picture that I want to explore today, and it connects back with what we learned about last week as we talked about belief. And to talk about belief, we looked at a verse that seems to, at first glance, it it appears to confirm our suspicions. It confirms these suspicions that maybe God is just sitting there waiting. Maybe God is looking at us. Maybe God is, you know, waiting for us to give him this ticket that we bought, that somebody was selling to us. Maybe God is looking to send us to hell. And we, th- this verse that we're looking at confirms that suspicion. But then when we begin to take it apart, begin to look at it in a little bit different way, we'll see something else is going on. And I want us to explore that. I want to look at that picture today. I want to connect it to where we were last week. And I want to see what it teaches us that we need to learn about today. So let's look at Mark 16. And this is the, verse, the verses we looked at last week. And it says this, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now this seems pretty straightforward. This passage seems to be about reward or punishment. And you can see as a side-hustling five-year-old, how I could take a verse like this that maybe I had heard or maybe I had learned and began to take this idea of buying and selling tickets to heaven. Because it seems like that's what's going on here. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but to whoever does not believe will be condemned. So you either buy the ticket to heaven or you get sent on the train to somewhere else. And this is sadly how a lot of us were taught to see Christianity. It's sadly how maybe many of us still see Christianity. This is how a lot of people in our culture see God. They think of God as some kind of cosmic conductor checking your ticket, just waiting to throw you off the train. However, listen, in one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, we're told something else that isn't a contradiction to this verse. Instead, what it does is it helps us to 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 get a better understanding of what Jesus was saying. John 3, 16 through 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And as we concluded last week, it's not God who condemns us. See, this verse, these couple of verses here show us it's not God who condemns us. It's us. We condemn ourselves. We choose to struggle down our own path. Or what we can do is we can choose to believe and follow the way of Jesus. Through the way of Jesus, we can experience the transforming power of God's grace and love and forgiveness. And simply put, I put it in my notes this way, as the the most simple way that I can think about this. Through Jesus, we're given an invitation to be saved from where we've been and where we might be going to a new reality for our lives. In community with others, living out the good news of Jesus, seeing glimpses of heaven in our lives today.
you know, to not reteach everything that we talked about last week. But I think this is the question we have to ask ourselves. When we think about our faith, are we thinking about our faith from some type of intellectual perspective or moral perspective? If I just do this, if I don't do that, if I believe this or I don't believe that, that somehow that I have that right credential, somehow that gets me this right ticket. Maybe I don't think about that I can pay for this thing, but maybe I can do the right stuff or believe the right stuff to get it. And what we end up doing is we miss the invitation. And we end up thinking about heaven and hell simply as places you go after you die rather than realities that we can either get away from or we can participate in. So hell becomes this thing that we either say, I don't want to have anything to do with the things of hell and I don't want to participate in those things. And we can define those realities in pretty specific terms. We can define those realities with the, the greed, the injustice, and hatred, and racism, all these things that seem to be opposed to the things of God, grace, and love, and mercy, and compassion. And so then what we see is that heaven is not just simply something you get a ticket to that you go to, but something you're already on a destination towards. As you begin to live out grace and love and mercy and compassion, we begin to see this incredible reality of the glimpses of heaven in our lives in the here and now, not just as somewhere we go, but something we experience today. And we saw that that reality becomes a part of our lives through the community that we belong to through the way of Jesus, gathering other people. It's why the mission and vision of our church is exploring the way of Jesus as we learn to love God, love others, and bring life to our community. Because the way of Jesus should show us the way of compassion. It shows us the way of love. It shows us the way of mercy. It shows us the way of acceptance. It shows us the way of welcoming others into this incredible family, this huge banquet table, and we spend our days not building bigger walls trying to keep other people out, not checking the tickets if people want to come in, but rather tearing down the walls and using that to build bigger banquet tables. We use that as a way to say, hey, listen, we're building bigger tracks. We're saying there's more room for everybody to get on board because here's where we're going, but let's experience that reality in this moment in the here and now. And as we do that, as we love the people around us with the Jesus kind of love, we're showing our love for God. We're bringing life to this community around us. That is the reality of the good news. That is the message of Jesus. That is what we are saved from this and saved to this. So here's what I want us to begin to do. Not just think about beliefs, not just think about steps of, of, of moral platitude, not just think about what, what I, okay, so here, I've got this figured out. No, no, no. Instead, I want to ask this question. What am I being saved from? What am I being saved to? Because when we begin to think about it in terms like that, we begin to share the good news in a very different way. We begin to show people the love, the mercy, the compassion of Jesus that we want them to experience. See, if our good news isn't love, if our good news isn't mercy, if it's not compassion, 
it's not welcoming others to the table. Maybe it's not really good news at all. See, I do believe it's good news. Because I learned that day all those years ago that the good news isn't about a ticket to heaven. It's not about having the right credentials. It's the reality that God sent his son because he loves me and he loves you and he loves us so much. He wasn't interested in condemning the world, but he wanted to save the world through Jesus. He didn't want us to condemn ourselves to the greed and the hate and the racism and the, and the injustice of this world, but to save us to the love and the mercy and the compassion, to save us into the reality of the glimpses of heaven in the here and the now. And he invites us to participate in that, to recognize our citizenship in the kingdom of God. What an incredible, incredible reality of the good news of Jesus. And this is why Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. But look at that again. So we have this word believe. Do I believe in the way of Jesus? Do I believe that the way of Jesus leads to the path of compassion and love and mercy? If I believe in the way of Jesus, if I believe that he was resurrected, if I believe that the reality of, the he of heaven is inbreaking in this world today, if I believe I'll be saved to that reality. So believe and follow go together then in this case. Believe means to follow the path of the way of Jesus. Follow, believing, seeing that there is a reality beyond this world, a beautiful reality of heaven where there is no pain, there is no sadness. There is only goodness and love and mercy and that is inbreaking into this world today. That is what it means to believe, to believe and to follow. To believe in Jesus means to follow Jesus in his way. But then to that word believe, listen what Jesus does. Jesus adds this thing called baptism. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, maybe today you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and you know what this word means. Maybe you've heard me talk about this in the past because I think this is an important thing for us to understand. Perhaps you've you grew up in church, you've seen a baptism or two in your life, or perhaps you don't have any idea what baptizing is all about, why anyone would agree to being dunked in a bunch of water in front of a bunch of people. So let's discuss it. Let's talk about what does it mean to be baptized? Why did Jesus put these two things together that, that seem like believe, baptize, leads to saved? Why would Jesus put these two things together? To do that, to answer that question, we have to talk about language and we talk, have to talk about translation. Now, when the New Testament, the second half of the Bible was written, it was written in the first century by people who spoke Greek. And as a result, it had to be translated in different, different languages and it continues to be translated today. And when this translation takes place, typically what happens is you would have a Greek word and you have somewhat which is a one-to-one -one translation. Maybe not necessarily a literal translation, but looking at that word and saying, how does this word translate into the language and context of the people who are reading this? 
And so what these translators would do is they would take certain words and they would begin to translate them. And they would look very different. So here are some of the Greek words and here are some of the English words uh, that Joe's going to pop up here. And you're going to see this. Uh, Periados means heaven. And I just, man, I really mispronounced, but I'm just going to go along with it. (laughs) Uh, We've got here, we've got Basileia, which means kingdom. So you've got these words that, you know, this kind of looks like paradise. And then we translate that as heaven. You know, we've got this that ends up becoming kingdom. And then we've got this word down here. And if you look at this, you don't have the sort of one-to-one translation. You don't have, hey, here's what it might mean in this context. We have what is called here, which is a transliteration. So baptizo becomes baptized. So when the translator Bible arrived at this word baptizo, instead of doing a translation of the word, they did this translation transliteration. Instead of translating the words, they translated the letters. Baptizo. Baptize. Now what's interesting about this is you have to ask why. Clearly there was something special about this word that it began, it kind of connected to a different category, a different understanding. It needed to be translated because maybe, maybe there's a little complication to it. Maybe it means something special and that's what they found. It meant something special. So they wanted to give it a special consideration. But what I want us to see is that there's actually not anything really complicated about the word. In fact, the word baptizo is a pretty common word that people would use. In fact, they would use that word in the kitchen. In one of the earliest places, this word was used in a recipe for making pickles. And this is where things get really interesting and what I love to talk about when we look at this word. There's a recipe from about 200 BC. It was written by a Greek poet. His name name was Nicander. And in his Greek recipe for making pickles, he tells us that the first thing you want to do is you want to dip. You want to bapto the cucumber in the boiling water. And then what you want to do is you want to baptize them in a vinegar solution, baptizo, baptize them in a vinegar solution. What's fascinating about this is that the first act is a very temporary situation. It doesn't have any long-term effects. You dunk, baptizo, the cucumber in the water and take it out, but it's still a cucumber. And then he says, you baptizo the cucumber into this vinegar, and it produces a permanent change. Now, when Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, he used the same word that we find in this recipe. The same word that they said, hey, you you baptize this pickle, And a permanent change takes place to it because you've now dunked it in this vinegar. What Jesus was talking about when he used this word baptizo here, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, Jesus was talking about something that represented a permanent change for us. And this is where we begin to understand this at a deeper level. Belief in Jesus isn't an intellectual acceptance of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's good to believe those things. But belief is the recognition that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection matters for you. And belief and baptism go together because they are about trusting 
the direction of your life to the way of Jesus. Immersing yourself in the way of Jesus. Being baptized into the way of Jesus. And becoming different as a result. The invitation to this immersion in the way of Jesus is open to everyone. Whoever believes. Whoever. It's a word we love around Southeast. We find this word scattered throughout the scriptures. Whoever. All of us are welcome to believe. All of us are welcome to be baptized. All of us are invited to the salvation reality of Jesus. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And throughout the stories of Scripture, throughout the stories of history, we find people going to rivers and lakes and streams to symbolically display their immersion into the way of Jesus. Now, I want to back up here for a second and show us something else, that Jesus had this ability, not just to teach with words, but to take every, everyday things, and he revealed their symbolic power. When Jesus was sitting with his disciples at their last meal together, he took bread and wine. He revealed how his death had the power to bring life. And from that moment forward, followers of Jesus, just like us, gathered together and remembered Jesus' death through that same meal. So thousands of years later, we still do this as we gather as a community. We share communion together. And the same thing takes place with baptism. For hundreds of years before Jesus, people had been coming to rivers, lakes, and streams. Baptized as a way of showing their immersion into a new way of living. And then Jesus took this same act and said to continue it as a physical metaphor, a symbol of immersion into his way of life. And that's what Jesus' disciples did. That's what Jesus commanded them to do. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them into the way of Jesus, into this experience of salvation. The act of baptism, being immersed in a river or a pool or a lake, is a very public way to declare that the old way has been washed away. And you come out of the water making a statement that you believe and you are immersing yourself in the way of Jesus. We believe we can follow Jesus into this new way of life. We want to share that with this community that welcomes us with open arms. And that's why we're baptized around other people. That's why we celebrate and cheer when someone is baptized. I talked about earlier that we didn't use the baptistry at church as a pool when I was a kid. But one of the cool things is we can use a pool as a baptistry. We didn't use the baptistry as a pool, but we can use a pool as a baptistry. One of the cool things about our house is that we have a pool. We have access to baptized people. And so that is my invitation to you. We believe and be baptized. If you've never been baptized, I invite you to consider that today. The full immersion into the way of Jesus.
So let me ask you a couple questions. Do you need to stop where you are at this moment and make this decision? And I encourage you not to delay. Decide to follow through with your belief. Be baptized as a symbol of total immersion into the way of Jesus. Decide to follow Jesus and publicly declare what you believe. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this text that points us to the reality of salvation, that points us to the beautiful picture of the way of Jesus. Father, I am thankful for these words of Jesus that gives us this picture, this invitation to come and to follow. And then to show that we're following. To show our immersion into the way of Jesus through baptism. Father, maybe for some of us today, we've had an opportunity to rethink how we believe. God, maybe we see that there is simply more than intellectual belief. God, maybe today we saw that there's more than just having the right things or doing the right things. Maybe today we see this incredible invitation from Jesus to walk towards the reality of heaven, to follow Jesus down that path. God, help us to forsake all the other things of this world that draw us into the ugliness, the reality of hell around us. And God, help us to embrace the beauty of heaven. God, as we immerse ourselves into the way of Jesus, may our lives show glimpses of heaven. May our community show glimpses of heaven. May we see as we have fellowship together, as we break bread together, as we learn and we grow together, as we pray together, Father. Gather us into that kind of community. And Father, let us celebrate with one another as we believe, as we're baptized, as you continue to add daily to the number of those who are being saved. And so today, for those, God, who are at this point, I pray they would make a decision to come and to follow you and to follow you into baptism and be fully immersed into the way of Jesus. It's your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, as we close up today, I want to give you an opportunity. You may think about this for a couple days. Maybe you have some more questions. If you go to wearesoutheast.org slash baptism, you can go to that website, and on that website, you will find uh, just some common questions and answers that we've tried to answer about baptism. And uh, you'll, just see, you'll see some, some frequently asked questions uh, that you might have. You'll see some answers there. And then at the bottom of that, you'll find a form. And at that form, you can fill it out, and it will just tell us, hey, I'm interested in baptism. I'm interested in learning more and I'll get in contact with you. Uh, we would love to have a baptism service here at the house. 
uh, utilizing our pool as a baptistry. Um, I think it would be a great way to end the summer, a great way to go into the fall, a great way to celebrate as a community together as we choose to follow Jesus. So if you're interested, uh, if your kids are interested, if they're at a place where they're making a decision to follow Jesus, I'd love to talk to them about that and invite them into baptism. So wearesoutheast.org slash baptism is where you can go for all of those questions. And then that forum will come to me and um, we can talk about all of that together. Have a great week. I love you guys. We'll see you soon.